Hello and welcome to the Achieve Your Goals podcast, the show that empowers you to wake up to your full potential and achieve your biggest goals and dreams. I am your host, Hal Elrod, and I invite you to join us each week as we share actionable strategies to take your life to the next level, as well as interview world-class experts and entrepreneurs who have achieved extraordinary goals themselves, and we ask them to give you a peek behind the curtain and teach you exactly what you need to do to do the same. Ready? Here we go. Hey, goal achievers and members of the Miracle Morning community. This is Hal Elrod. And before we dive into today's podcast episode, I have a couple of things to share with you. First, I just want to mention the episode itself. This is really cool. We've only done this a few times in the history of the Achieve Your Goals podcast where I'm being interviewed by someone else. And this happened kind of impromptu where I was doing an interview. I was being interviewed by Juliana Ray, who you probably know. We've had her, I've had her on the podcast a couple of times. She is a world-renowned mindfulness expert. We have her do lead meditation at all of our live events. But Juliana was interviewing me for this five-day online meditation retreat that is happening in April. It's called Immersion 2019. In fact, if you scroll down to the PS of the email, if you are listening, if, you, if you're on my email list, the email I sent announcing today's episode, if you scroll down to the PS, I have a link in there where you can opt in for this free five-day online meditation retreat where you're going to hear from 70 people sharing, you know, experts and just regular folks just sharing their journeys of meditation. And it's really, really cool. So I was being interviewed by Juliana and it was just such a cool interview. I, I, she's asking me things I've never been asked before. I've never really talked about before around my meditation journey and how it began and what my challenges were with it, my struggles and how it's evolved and how I meditate and which types of meditation I do. And at the end of the interview, I just said, Juliana, that was really cool. Cool. I think our listeners would enjoy that. Would you mind if I shared that with the Achieve Your Goals podcast listeners and do it as an episode? And she said, oh, sure, that'd be great. And so, yeah, so really cool. So that's what you're going to hear today. A couple of things to share with you before you dive into the episode are number one, and this might be the last mention I make of this for quite some time, and it's my most recent book that just came out. It is The Miracle Morning for Couples, Create Legendary Connection One Morning at a Time. Again, if you are in a relationship, want to be in a relationship, you're married, you know, any, anywhere in between, this is a really, really great book to help you not only you know, there are tips in there on getting your partner on board with the Miracle Morning, but that's really not the purpose of it. It's really how do you create a harmonious, loving, legendary connection with your partner. So that book is available on Amazon, on Audible, Kindle paperback, you name it. And the reason that this is the last mention of that not the last mention forever. I mean, that book, I'll be sharing it for the rest of my life with all of my other books, but I'm giving birth to a new book. And you, I know I've mentioned this, I think, uh, before, but you're going to hear a lot about it between now and the next couple of months. And it's my newest book. It's The Miracle Equation, How to Move Your Biggest Goals from Possible to Probable to Inevitable. And this is my first ever traditionally published book. It's published by Penguin Random House, their division Har Harmony, which is a division of Penguin Random House, and it comes out April 16th. But you can download a free sneak peek, a free preview at themiracleequation.com. That is themiracleequation.com. Get a free preview, check it out. It's really designed to complement and add to the Miracle Morning. And last but not least, if you can pre-order the book now. So if you're like, all right, I'm going to read the preview, but I'm down to pre-order it. I want to be one of the. If you want to be one of the first people 
to get a copy of the book. You can pre-order it on your favorite retailer. So that's Amazon, Audible, Walmart.com, Target.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and wherever books are sold, right? Like you can find the book anywhere which is really cool. So that's it. You're going to hear a lot more. I'm going to be doing a lot of cool episodes where I talk about different parts of the book, teaching the miracle equation, the nuances that are taught in the book, and going even deeper on the podcast. So love you, appreciate you, and I hope you enjoy today's episode as Juliana Ray interviews yours truly about why and how I meditate. Enjoy. Hey everyone, I am so thrilled and honored to be speaking with Hal Elrod today. Hal is on a mission to elevate the consciousness of humanity one person at a time. As the author of one of the highest rated and best-selling books in the world, The Miracle Morning, with 3,000 plus five-star reviews and over a million copies sold, and creator of one of the fastest growing and most engaged online communities in existence, The Miracle Morning Community, he's doing exactly that. Hal is a Hall of Fame business achiever, ultra marathon runner, multiple time number one bestselling author, grateful husband, father, and international keynote motivational speaker. He has dedicated his life to showing others how to overcome their adversity and fulfill the unlimited potential that is within each of us. Welcome, Hal. It's so great to be connecting with you in this way. Actually, our connection started years ago around meditation. The fact that one of the key ingredients that you suggest for people to have a successful morning routine is this silence, this practice of meditation. So it's wired into what you offer people. And I'd love to start by hearing your personal journey with it and then how you ended up uh, doing that. So let's start with just how did you get interested in meditation? What were your early attempts to do it? What were those experiences like? Yeah. Well, thank you for having me. First of all, Juliana, I, you're, you're one of the people that I just love being around. So already enjoying our time together. I just like seeing your smiling face. How'd I get started? So it was 2007 and the US economy had just crashed and I kind of crashed with it. I lost over half of my clients, which meant over half of my income. I could not pay my mortgage. I had to stop paying it and the bank took my house back. I mean, it was just, it was really the lowest point in my life mentally and emotionally. And our good friend, John Berghoff, uh, I called John and he was the first person that I told what had been going on for about, it was kind of a six month downward spiral. I was depressed. I was at a loss. I didn't know how to turn things around. And John said, go for a run. And on that run, listen to some some sort of personal development audio while you're in a peak physical state because you're also going to be in a peak mental and emotional state. So long story short, on that run, I heard Jim Rohn say a quote, your level of success will seldom exceed your level of personal development. And a light bulb went off and I thought, for all of us, on a scale of 1 to 10, if we're measuring our level of success and fulfillment in any area of life, happiness, health, relationships, money, you name it, we all want level 10 right? But what I realized is that our level of personal development is what's going to determine our level of success. And for most people, personal development's not a priority. It's, it's way down here, right? It's like their level of personal development is at a two. Mine was at a two or a three on a good day. And that was the disconnect is this is what I wanted in my life, but this is the effort I was putting into developing myself. And so I ran home and I Googled a bunch of phrases around personal development, best personal development practices, personal development practices for millionaires, 
on and on. CEOs, what do the world's most successful, fulfilled people do for their personal development? And I came across six practices. And one of those practices was meditation. Now, I always thought meditation was kind of woo-woo and just a spiritual practice, which that's great, nothing wrong with that. But the article that caught my attention was Fortune 500 CEOs who swear by meditation. And I went Fortune 500, interesting, and I clicked on it. And what I found is it wasn't just about their spiritual connection. It was actually kind of science around how meditation had... And there, I think, were over 1,400 scientific studies published, and now I'm sure it's a lot more, on the physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual benefits of meditating. And so I was sold. I was like, wow, it lowers your cortisol levels. It lowers your stress, which allows you to think clearer. You have better ideas. You have insights on and on and on. It was really a cognitive optimization strategy, and I was all for that. That's when I started. And because I didn't know my first day of meditating sitting in silence, I thought I was failing at it, right? Um, and we've since talked about this, but my, my mind was racing and I'm like, wait, you're supposed to clear your mind and my mind's, oh, it's, it's crazy, right? And so then what I did is I quickly switched to a guided meditation and I just went to YouTube and I, I typed in guided meditation and there was a gazillion of them, right? That's how I recommend people start is do a guided meditation because you're not, you don't then have that inner chatter where you're like, am I doing this wrong? Am I failing? Am I, well, why am, what am I doing? Am I thinking too much? Am I not thinking enough? You know, with the guided meditation, you have someone like yourself and I, you know, you do guided meditation where you're leading us. You're the expert. You're the professional. You've done this and you're leading us through a process to go deeper into a meditation and experience the benefits. And then once we've done that enough times, we figure, we, we go, oh, wow, you know, I actually, I, I get this. I get what it feels like. I get the whole process. And then we can try it on our own. So that was how I started out with meditation and uh, started with guided. And then after a few weeks of that, decided to go on my own. And now I go back and forth depending on the day. I love it. So what got you in was this motivation, this desire to achieve certain things for yourself, which, you know, at UM, we're big proponents of that. We want it to be motivating and inspiring for people. So you were drawn in by these personal objectives in your life, the kind of lifestyle you wanted to lead. And also, it sounds like the kind of person you wanted to show up in the world as. And you saw uh, this example of how meditation could help you achieve that in ways that were not intuitive initially when you, when you thought about it. And so that got you into it, caught your attention, made it surprising in a sense. Oh, wait a minute. Uh, this isn't what I thought it was. And then you did a really wise thing, which is you found the support you needed to make it a habit because those early days are so challenging. Like you said, it's confusing. You're not sure if you're doing it right. You're sure, in fact, that you're doing it wrong. And the proof is that your mind's all over the place. And so great. So you found the support you needed through those guided practices until you developed some momentum with it. And you felt like, okay, now the ship can sail on its own. I'm, I'm going to do this. And then you go back and forth whenever you need the support, which is, again, wisdom, right? You got to get the support you need when you need it. And initially, what did you notice about it? Did you notice that it was having any effect at all or... Yeah. I mean, there were calming my mind was, you know, was probably the biggest thing. And then the beauty of the guided meditations was that it was not just calming my mind, but I had someone influencing my mind, right? My thoughts, they were being influenced, you know, in a positive way. For example, uh, one of my favorite guided meditations was this uh, woman who you probably met at our Best Year Ever event was Patricia Moreno. 
In fact, I did her guided meditations like two days ago. And, uh, and then yesterday I did a different, I did Joe Dispenza's guided meditations, right? So I'm still doing them. But the idea is that like, if you go to YouTube and if you have a specific thing that you're struggling with mentally, emotionally, or even logistically, just like in, in the physical world, like money, for example, right? You can go type in guided meditations on money. And then you can have someone, right? Someone, and it's experimenting. Obviously, some of them you listen and you're like, this person's not very good. Like, you know, this, this isn't, or it's just not that they're not good, but it doesn't resonate with me, right? And so, you know, you play around, you find the right ones. But if I'm struggling with confidence in my life, right, I will type in and look for guided meditations on confidence. If I'm struggling with any area of my life, self love, I'll find guided meditations on those topics. So uh, yeah, so doing it on my own kind of calm my mind and, and that takes practice, right? Your mind's not calm and it's repetition over and over and over before it gets calm, you know, many days in a row. And then you hit start hitting these peak flow states, which are so powerful. And then beyond that, yeah, the guided meditation is almost like having a coach, but when you're in an alpha state, right? You're in that meditative state. And so the coaching is really you know, you're, you're calm and it's really impacting you more so than if you were having a conversation with somebody potentially because you're not in a meditative state, your brain is waiting to respond to what the person's saying or you have your own chatter going on, right? Anyway, so uh, yes, yeah, so those are some of the benefits. Yeah, I want to highlight for you what you described just there about how much more impactful it is when you're in a deeper state, when someone is guiding and supporting you at UM we would call that heightened skills. So your concentration, your sensory clarity, your equanimity get uh, heightened as a result, as you pointed out, of this repetitive process. It's a practice. It's a muscle that you're building. And when your attention is heightened, then yes, you're much more receptive because uh, your attention has been uh, improved through the practice. And now you can get more out of the guidance you're getting. And I think that's sort of a key feature is that you're making the most of the support that you're getting. uh, And you do that as a result of refining this skillfulness. So at the beginning then, sounds like your initial sense that it was working was, oh, I'm, I'm entering into these flow states. Could you describe, do you remember those early flow states and what, what you noticed, the contrast maybe that you noticed between those flow states and your ordinary way of walking around in the world? I read, and you've probably read this book, but The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle, right? I read that in my early 20s, I think. And so when I started meditating, I was reminded, oh yeah, I haven't been accessing the now for a long time, right? You know, I, when I read that book, it was a game changer for me. And I would drive in my car and just get totally present to the now, right? Those flow states. And I, time went by and I forgot about it. I forgot to do it. I, lo- I lost that as a habit. So when I started meditating again, I instantly referenced that book and the power of now, right? Which is what mindfulness is all about, being completely present in the moment. So that's what I was able to access. And the beauty of that to me is it's the essence of life right? We're very often, in fact, not just very often, like all the time, almost all the time, right? We're in our head and we're living in the past or we're living in the future. We're usually thinking over something that already happened and maybe creating emotional pain over it. Maybe we're we're upset that something happened or we're disappointed that it didn't go the way that we wanted or we're annoyed or aggravated or whatever. Or we're thinking we're in the future. Our mind is in the future going, oh my gosh, what if this goes wrong? What if this doesn't happen? I have so many things I have to do, right? You know, so on and so forth. But I love what Jason Mraz has a great line in one of his songs. He says, life is for living. And that to me is what meditation gives you. 
is it gives you access to living, right? The essence of life is to be in the moment. And even if there's problems in your bank account and at work and with this, which we've all got stuff, right? The quality of our lives has very little to do with what's going on around us and almost everything to do with what's going on inside of us. And so meditation allows you to optimize what's going on inside of you. That is what I found for me is I was able to access the power of now. I was able to access the present moment. Meditation became my favorite time of day, especially because when I started it, remember, you know, economy had crashed. I was in debt. I was losing my house. So if I thought about all that stuff, right, I'm like, I could get real stressed, which is what had led to this depression. When I meditated, I acknowledged all that stuff is still there, right? But stressing about it all day doesn't fix it. But putting myself in a peak state puts me in a position to fix it, right? So meditation was almost a vacation from my problems, but not just that, because that if it was just a vacation, then I had to go back and they were there and there was no benefit, then it would, you know, I, I don't know that I would say it was really beneficial. But the beauty of it is it was like, it was a win-win, two sides of the same coin where it was a vacation from my problems. I was fully in the moment and in the moment, nothing was wrong. Nothing was happening to me. Nobody was hurting me. No one was taking my money, right? I was just getting to be. And it's the essence of being that I think allows us to find, whether it's a, you call it a flow state or just, just the essence of life. And then in doing that, I lowered my stress. I got perspective and then I felt better. And when I got out of the meditative state, I would go into my office with a renewed sense of like calm and clarity and equanimity. And right, as you talk about, and so, yeah, so it helped me, like the actual practice was a vacation for my problems. It was my favorite part of the day because I was able to just access the essence of life. And then it optimized my mindset. So I was more effective at solving my problems when I went back out into the real world, you know, so to speak. I love it. You brought up so many themes I want to highlight there. Uh, one is the complementarity, the way a book like The Power of Now can move you. And then there's the how-to of it, which you found other resources to do. So, you know, when we think about practice, there's this inclusivity, find what works for you. And uh, you might be exposed to it in this way or in that way. And uh, rather than looking at it as, well, should I do this path? If I do that path, then I shouldn't do that path, right? Rather than looking at it as a kind of an exclusive, uh, look at it as an inclusive. Great. The power of now it got you into these flow states and then you found a way to systematically develop that for yourself so it was transferable into more and more of your life. So there's the fact that you found this uh, approach, this the Power of Now book, and then you found a methodology that was going to get you more into the moment. And then as you got more into the moment, you discovered that it could be not only, yes, this is really important. Not only is it a place that you can go to as a kind of a reprieve from the noise and activity and chaos of the world, but more importantly, it's a place from which you can then improve your life. And it's those two going together. I think a lot of people don't recognize this relationship between going deep in your practice and experiencing these deeper states and then how that then enables you to be of greater service in the world, to be able Amen to show to up, yeah, show yeah. up more fully. 
Yeah. Thank you. It's a great. Yeah. Those are the two key sides that it works together and you can really see that. And I think that actually, when I think about your life and where you've taken things, your journey is such a perfect reflection of that. So the fact that you have dedicated yourself to this inner process so that you can be of greater service in the world. So let's talk a little bit about how that started to show up for you, how it is that you then got some momentum with practice. What changes did you start to notice in your life, both in terms of maybe being able to accomplish some of your personal objectives and also maybe how you ended up showing up in your relationships and in your just how you ended up showing up in the world? Yeah, my depression went away very quickly, uh, which was amazing. Uh, you know, I had been depressed for six months and, and I say depressed, you know, with very carefully, I know that, you know, there are different levels of depression and, uh, you know, I don't know, I hadn't been diagnosed with clinical depression, but I just basically every day, all day just was surviving until I could go to bed. That was every day. Like I was stressed and anxiety. And, and then my only safe haven was like crawling into my covers and every day I'm like, I just got to get through another day and then I get to go to bed you know, right. Which is no way to live, you know, that I'm living to sleep. Like that's, I'm just, I'm living for bedtime, not ideal. And so my depression went away, you know, and I would say meditation was a part of it. The other practices of the miracle morning, to be fair, you know, also contributed to that, but within a matter of days. And I think that the reason was I had perspective and I had hope perspective being that, wow, if I start every day with this meditation and these other affirmations and the other practices that I combined with them, I feel so much better versus just waking up, you know, hitting the snooze button three times and then heading into the office anxious and stressed and in a state of fear of losing all of my money and all of this stuff, right? That's how I'd been just every day, right? Just wake up, work out of a place of scarcity until I could go to bed, right? That was it. That was day after day after day after day. And having the space to meditate in the morning, it's like every time I went to bed, I didn't wake up to my problems. I woke up to my miracle morning. I woke up to my to my meditation. I woke up to this practice that felt really good. And so uh, it was this space where it wasn't just one day running into another, running into another, running into another. When I went to bed, it wasn't dreading waking up to face the problems. It was excited to wake up to my new practice, my meditation practice. And so my depression went away within a matter of days because I thought if I start every day like this, it's only a matter of time before you know I'm back to the, the old me, so to speak, and I'm, I'm able to turn my life around. And it happened faster than I ever thought possible. In two months, I doubled my income. You know, I mean, it was this radical turnaround. And it was that morning practice and that morning meditation that gave me not only calmed my nervous system and lowered my cortisol levels, but it gave me clarity. And that's the biggest thing I was getting was, right, we get our best ideas in those moments of silence. And it's often in the shower or falling asleep right before bed. The beauty of meditation is you don't leave those aha moments, those breakthroughs up to chance anymore you engineer them, right? You're creating them by intentionally practicing silence and meditation in the morning or whatever. You do whatever you want. You can do it anytime you want, right? And so what I do now is I always have my notebook or if I'm traveling, you know, I'll have my phone, my note app, whatever. And when I'm meditating and, you know, and some people might say this is a no-no, I don't, I don't know, but you know, I get great ideas and my memory is not always the best. So I don't count on myself to remember them. I just pull out my journal and I, I write a little note to remind me of what that idea is. And then I go back into my practice. And that's how my meditation has evolved over the years. So uh, I know you didn't ask me this, but kind of fast forwarding to now, 
that's one of my favorite parts of meditation is it's not this just passive sitting there, like just quieting the mind. Uh, yes, I do that, but I, I will usually set an intention before I meditate now. So this is kind of an addition to my practice where I'll set an intention and it's just based on whatever's going on in my life at that time. So it could be a very short term, like I'm giving a speech today. I want to meditate in a way where I'm in the state that I need to be in when I speak. So I'll actually imagine what is that state? I need to be confident or I need to be this or that. And then I'll try to create that emotional experience while I meditate. and then because I've already created that emotional experience in my body and I'll visualize walking onto the stage. And then when I walk onto the stage, it's like, it's instantly there because I created it in the morning. Uh, sometimes if it's with my significant other, with my wife, I'll create intention during a meditation of feeling love or compassion or like whatever I feel like she needs from me in our life on that day or at that time. And then when I see her, I've already been there in my morning meditation. And so I just like those feelings just come. I'm like, hey, sweetheart, right? And I just, I'm that person. That to me is kind of an evolution of my meditation is I've created this where it's extremely intentional. And not always. Sometimes I still just sit there in silence and just quiet my mind. Sometimes I do a guided meditation, right? So it's based on, you know, what's the need? What do I want to get out of this meditation today? Do I want to just quiet my mind and just relax and just enjoy 10 minutes of silence and just be like blissed out, right? Because I always say you can be stressed out or you can be blissed out. Meditation helps you be blissed out and you condition yourself to be that way. So it can be your regular way of being, right? When you meditate every day. Um, so yeah, so that's been a big part of it and how meditation changed for me and changed me. It gave me much more clarity every day and created these optimal emotional states in the morning so that they were able to show up when I needed to show up throughout the day. I love it. Yeah. One thing you're highlighting is how you can tailor make a practice when you have a sense of openness and creativity in the process. Then yes, when you need to just do a, a practice where you're sitting and doing absolutely nothing, great. Do that as your practice. When you need to carry it into in unified mindfulness, what you described would be called nurture positive, right? So you're intentionally nurturing positive emotions that you can carry into your relationships. I love that description of how you're then able to show up better for your wife and the impact that can have. And yes, I think people don't understand that you can use insight to be of greater service in the world. And that in fact, that is the, the objective of it ultimately. And sometimes you need to go deeper in the insight experience, right? Sometimes you need to dwell in that more deeply, more richly. So you give yourself permission to do that. And sometimes you carry that momentum of the insight into creating greater love and connection in the world, however that manifests for the individual. So I love that example of your wife. And I'm sure also that it's shown up tremendously then in your professional life and in other ways as well. Yeah, absolutely. Like most recently, I just, I wrote my newest book. It's called The Miracle Equation. I just wrote that. And most of my meditation during the six months that I wrote that was, I'm like, okay, you know, right. Writer's block, right. Is, is what you don't want as a writer. And so most days I would just invite like what today I'm working on chapter three. It's on this topic universe, God, fill me with like the wisdom that the reader needs today. What does the reader need for me today? Right. And I would just sit there in silence for 10 minutes and I would usually have two or three ideas come up and I would, I'm like, Ooh, Ooh, genius. That's right. And I would write them down. And here's the thing. When I'm staring at the computer screen at a word document, writing the book, 
trying to force it. Like, I need the idea right here, right now. Why isn't it coming to me? It doesn't come, right? Because it's in those moments of silence that we, we tap into our inner wisdom or the wisdom of the universe or of God. And so that for me was big, right? Professionally, over the last six months, that was a big one. And, and I don't know how it would have turned out if I didn't have the meditation practice to, to gain those insights throughout that process. Yeah, I actually, I wonder, can you imagine what your life would have been like without meditation practice? Have you ever stopped to think about what it would have been like if you didn't have that? I mean, probably a lot more stressful and a lot of the great ideas that I've come up with that I've, that, like you said, have allowed me to impact more people. Those ideas would have been dormant, you know, somewhere uh, in the universe, but not in real time. So yeah. And also I just, I would just the daily, like I said, looking forward to it. It's one of my favorite things. It's like somebody like, you know, it's kind of someone that's used to working out and they love going to the gym or they love, right? Because it's like, oh, that's their time to just be free and in the moment and just like, you know, and just feel good and get their heart rate up, right? Meditation's kind of like that, like where you like to imagine something in your life that, right, is just a crucial part of your life. And if you missed out on it, you would be missing out on all of the value it's brought to you. And so that's, I mean, that's what, what meditation is. Beautiful. And so much of what you do is in service of other people. So to be able to have a way to access those deep resources to be of service, I I do think there is that deep complementarity around that. uh, What you do for yourself, really to get out of our own way, right? I mean, what you're describing is you drop all of the preoccupation that interferes with the brilliant idea, right? Yeah, absolutely. 100%. So tell me, I know you've been through quite a challenging couple of years. Um, if you're up for it, I would love to hear about that journey and how your meditation practice informed that experience. Yeah. So what you're referring to, I believe, just over two years ago, I was, I was, I woke up in the middle of the night unable to breathe and, uh, or, or very difficult breathing. I went in and my lung had been collapsed and it kept collapsing. They drained two liters of fluid from my lung. And then like two days later, it was collapsed again. I couldn't breathe and I had to go back in. And long story short, I was diagnosed with a very rare and aggressive form of cancer known as acute lymphoblastic leukemia or ALL for short. I was given a 20 to 30% chance of surviving. And I always say, if you're a glass is half empty kind of person, that's a 70 to 80% chance that you know, you're going to die in the next few weeks or months. I have two small children and, and a wife who are my world. So that was by far the most difficult experience I've ever endured. And meditation was part of my miracle morning and part of my practice. And during meditation, and a lot of times I'll combine meditation with prayer to me, it's kind of one in the same. And, and, and I think that an important lesson for people is that meditation, you've probably gotten this from our conversation so far, but is that there is no right or wrong way to do it necessarily. I always say the only wrong way is to judge yourself for doing it wrong, right? Like that's the wrong way is to tell yourself, I'm doing this wrong. If you're thinking a bunch, great. Be like, yeah, okay, today's a thinking meditation. Interesting. That's cool. But yeah, so for me, the meditation every day was where I would also pray. And I would often start with a prayer and and the prayer would kind of, I would set my intention with the prayer. And then I would just close my eyes and feel that intention and just go deep. You know, for me, I had affirmations that uh, around, you know, I'm committed to living to be a hundred years old, no matter what, there is no other option. I would imagine my body in perfect health Actually, one thing I did is I, I would combine meditation with sun gazing. I don't know if you've ever done sun gazing. So sun gazing, and you can Google it, right? There's, and I'm not going to 
be the best explaining the benefits of it, but I'll just tell you my benefits of it. But sun gazing is where in the first 30 to 60 minutes of the sun rising, you can stare at it and it doesn't hurt your eyes. What it was for me is if you look, so I went and looked under at my cells under a microscope, right? And you saw where the cancer was attacking the cells and they, they were like, some of them were black or they were like deformed and all this. And when you look at the sun, it's a perfect circle. At least it appears to our vision to be a perfect circle. I learned about sun gazing right after I went and had looked at my cells under a microscope. And I went, whoa, that is a perfect circle. That's a perfect looking cell. And so I would use the sun as a visual representation of what every cell in my body should and what I wanted it to look like. And so I would sun gaze first and then I would go back to the house and I would close my eyes and I would imagine that every cell in my body, and I would talk to myself, you know, there's some meditation, I'll just I'll use mantras, I'll talk to myself, all right? But I would just reinforce the feel like that, that every cell in my body is healthy. And I am such a believer in the mind-body connection. Uh, as you know, when I was 20, I was hit head-on by a drunk driver in a car accident at 70 miles an hour. I died for six minutes. I broke 11 bones. I was told I would never walk again. And back then, I chose to visualize. I didn't meditate. I don't think I meditated back then. I didn't know about it. But I chose to visualize that I was going to walk again. And I prayed about it. And I imagined it, right? I put my intention toward walking again. Three weeks after the crash, the doctors came in with routine x-rays and they said, we don't know how to explain this, Hal, but your body is healing so quickly. We're actually going to let you take your first step tomorrow. A week before they said, you may never walk again. And now they're like, oh, you're going to walk tomorrow, right? And so I believe so much in the fact that my mind, right? The miracle that it was, we have the ability with our mind to heal ourselves and lower anxiety, whatever we're dealing with, right? The mind can heal the body. And so both with my car accident from being told I never walk again to taking my first step in three weeks and then having this cancer and being told that I, you know, had a 20 to 30% chance of surviving and then I survived. It just keeps reinforcing that our mind, right? And, and our spirit has so much power. We have so much power over our lives. And meditation for me when I had cancer was the way to reinforce that what it was that I wanted and create that intention and feel the truth of what I was affirming and what I was visualizing and what I was imagining. And one thing to consider, here's a little kind of a bonus tip, if you will, is that I like to use meditation. Uh, one other way that I use it is I use it to enhance my other practices during my miracle morning. So it's like I use it to turbocharge them or not a good analogy, but it's like, you know, steroids, right? To like really beef, you know, make them even more powerful. And so I will, I'll read an affirmation and then I'll go sit and I'll sit on my, I have a little meditation pillow in my miracle morning room and I will, I'll meditate on that affirmation and I'll feel the truth of that affirmation and I'll, right? I'll visualize something and then I'll go on a meditation pillow and I'll sit and I'll meditate on what I visualize. And it extends the feelings, it extends the intention and it enhances all of it. So yeah, so those are some ways that I use meditation. Yeah. You're, you're bringing up a couple of really essential points. And one is this optimizer function of practice that I think people don't consider. And the other is the creative ways you can use practice. So the optimizer feature is something we kind of touched on earlier, which is people understand that you can go through the motions of something or you can give your full intention. You can give your whole mind, body, self 
to whatever that thing is. And what you're describing is, I think probably how you have an innate capacity for that already. But what I'm hearing too, is that you're able to optimize that. So you bring even that much more intention compared to what you have in the past. And that's the thing that makes the difference. You know, it's one thing to say some, a phrase, a word or phrase to yourself as an affirmation, but it's another thing to really be able to sink into the meaning of the word or phrase, to really hear it, to be clear about it, right? To get absorbed in it. One thing that I realized a while back, I went through a phase where I was meditating for like really short periods of time each day, like one to five minutes, just kind of getting it in there, getting it done. And then one day I meditated for, I did a 20 minute meditation and it's like around minute 15 is when I really like got present and silent and clear. And I I had the realization that the amount of time that you invest in something, right? There's a definitely a correlation. There's a relationship, right? You know, the, the more time you invest, the deeper that you go. And so to your point, if you read an affirmation, it's only to the degree that you feel the emotion attached to that affirmation that you're benefiting yourself to me when you go out there back into the real world to actually put these affirmations and the you know things into practice, right? If you only touch on it for two seconds, it doesn't impact you emotionally at a deep level. It doesn't resonate. It doesn't stick with you. It's when you meditate on it. And the longer you meditate, the deeper you go. And the more you're creating new pathways in your brain, right? That become through repetition, permanent fixtures that change who you are at a fundamental level and your capabilities in the world. I love it. Yeah. That speaks to this uh, meditation as being an attention optimizer and an intention optimizer, because Mm. your intention relies on your attention, your ability to pay attention. And so people don't often understand that that's really what you're doing when you're practicing meditation. You're enhancing your attention so that you can bring greater intention to whatever it is you're choosing to focus on. Yeah, that's I love a powerful it. And, distinction, yes. Yeah, and you're also bringing up this theme of immersion, which is a big focus of uh, unified mindfulness is exactly what you're speaking to, which is, yes, when you go deep with practice, when you get more absorbed, do, do practice for longer, then you do get to see the rewards of that. You get to see just how powerful your ability is to bring intention into your experience and also what it looks like when that attention gets elevated, that your experience changes. As you mentioned, these flow states, uh, discovering that life is just so much richer than you thought it was. And it has to do with your ability to improve your attention in those ways. Yep. So I, I also just want to touch briefly on your creativity around your practice, because I think that's something really important for people to be inspired by, you know, something that you've done really good, really beautifully is to bring creativity into your process to find what works for you. I love your description of the sun and being inspired by watching the sunrise and how that could help you heal your body. And I think it's really important for people to understand that when you recognize that meditation is about attentional skill development, you're developing a certain set of attention skills then you can apply them in all sorts of creative ways. And that's something that I hear you doing again and again as you've shared what your process has been, whether it is greeting your wife with a greater sense of love and connection or whether it is using the opportunity of the sunset to internally heal. So I just wanted to point that out because I think people can be inspired by that. 
Awesome. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. So what would you like to share with everybody about what's going on for you these days? What, what would you like people to know about? Sounds like you're working on a new book. Yeah. The Miracle Morning, which is my, I guess, flagship book would be the word. We just surpassed a million copies sold. I think you actually mentioned that, which is unbelievable, right? When you write a book, you're like, is anyone going to read this? Is this any good? You know, Well, if it changes one life, it was worth it. I mean, that's how I published it, right? It wasn't this big a deal. So the thing is, The Miracle Morning, nothing I've ever created has made a bigger impact, both in terms of quantity, like yes, lots of people, but to me, that's not important. It's the profound changes it makes in people's lives from it saved my marriage to it cured my depression to, you know, I, I doubled my income, these like results. So that's my life's work. And until further notice, all of my energy, everything I do revolves around sharing that message, sharing that book, getting that book in the hands of as many people as I possibly can. We have a new book coming out on Valentine's Day, 2019, February 14th, 2019, called The Miracle Morning for Couples, Create Legendary Connection One Morning at a Time, which I co-authored with Brandy and Lance Salazar and with uh, Honoré Quarter. So that's exciting. That's one that's been asked for forever. Like, we want one for couples. You know, I want... How do I get my husband to do this or my wife to do this, right? So that's exciting. And then the miracle equation. So I have a book coming out in February and then I have one coming out in April. I'm a little overwhelmed with how I'm going to promote all this stuff. But anyway, uh, the miracle equation, the subtitle is the two decisions that move your biggest goals from possible to probable to inevitable. That comes out April 19th, 2019. So two books coming out and then the Miracle Morning documentary, which you are in, will... I think that it's done. The film's done, but I don't think I can take on promoting that at the same time with all these books. So I think that's going to come out after the book in April. So I'll figure that out. So much good stuff going on. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, very exciting. So what would you like to say? And you know, as we kind of transition... What would you like to share with people to inspire them around this idea of a meditation practice and exploring it? Yeah, I would say commit to a 30-day challenge. Commit to do it for 30 days and choose a specific time. It could be any time. You could do it at your lunch break. I personally, I like the morning because you set that intention for the entire, right? You optimize your mind for the entire day, which is the power of doing it in the morning. You can do it before bed as well, right? And that's something that, you know, you can set your intention and then have it work, your subconscious mind work on it while you're sleeping. So you can pick whatever time you want, but pick a time of day and do a 30-day challenge and just realize that I always say that when you do a 30-day challenge, there's kind of three 10-day phases. The first 10 days is what I call the unbearable phase. That's accurate. Sometimes it's like, well, no, I'm excited. So it's not unbearable. I'm excited. But typically, when you start something new, it's uncomfortable. It's unbearable. It's, there's some sort of fear around it. There's some... I don't know if I'm doing it right. So, But here's what I, I say is that you can do anything for 10 days, right? So that unbearable phase lasts about 10 days, give or take. And then you go into the second phase, which is uncomfortable, which doesn't sound exciting, but you're kind of like, okay, well, it's not unbearable anymore. I'm kind of getting acclimated to this new practice. I've had a few good days. I've had some ahas. I've, uh, maybe, maybe this is, you know, it's still easier not to do it, right? You know, like anything new. And then the final 10 day phase is what I call the unstoppable phase. So that's where you hit your stride. You have a few flow states. You you start to feel like this is part of me. I'm benefiting from this. I don't want to go back and not do this anymore. So I encourage you to find a partner. There's a little another tip. Have someone that you're 
checking in with that's holding you accountable. You guys are texting in the morning. Um, you can come into the Miracle Morning community, right? On, uh, you know, on Facebook, the Facebook group that you can get an accountability partner in there. There's thousands of people meditating every day as well. But yeah, so commit to a 30 day challenge. Do it at the same time every day. Don't judge yourself. Right, just do let it be. If you need to start with guided meditation, you can. There's a lot of apps in the app store. There's YouTube videos that are free. Juliana, I don't know if you have any resources on the guided meditation. We do. We have Bright Mind, and you can hear my voice oh. <laughs> on the Bright Mind app. Yeah. All right, and I love you've guided me through many meditations at our live events. So, yeah, but that's it. And then, and then after 30 days, if you do it every day, you can't not experience the benefits of meditation in 30 days and then set your next 30-day challenge after that and live your life in 30-day challenges where you go, okay, I'm going to recommit. This time, I'm gonna, maybe you're going to go from 10 minutes to 20 minutes or maybe you're going to just keep it at 10. Maybe you found your groove. But that's it. I would say for everybody, don't wait. Put it in your schedule right now. Do it every day and watch the miracles that happen in your life. I love it. Hal, any final words? I love you, Juliana. Thanks for having me on today. I really appreciate it. I love you, Hal. It's just been a total treat and really wonderful. Awesome. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah, more to come. Thanks for listening. To learn more about the Achieve Your Goals podcast and to get access to today's show notes, transcript, and exclusive content from Hal Elrod, visit halelrod.com forward slash podcast. Thanks again for joining us. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode of the Achieve Your Goals podcast. 